So glad you're here today. I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I don't know if you knew this or not, but different books of the Bible uh, deal with different things. They have different themes in them. For instance, the book of uh, Galatians is the book of freedom. It talks about freedom in Jesus. The book of Philippians is the book of joy where you, you just see joy unspeakable, full of glory and just the excitement of God. Well, the book of Romans is the book of power. And it talks about power and the power of God. And we're going to talk this morning about the power of the gospel. I, I, we want to talk about power today, the power of God in a person's life. And uh, the book of Romans talks about the power of God. And then it, it goes on to explain that power. And uh, what I'm going to say today is going to get me some emails and it's going to light it up. But I want you to look in scripture and see if you see what I'm saying is true. There were a group of believers called the Bereans, the Berean believers, and that said they searched the scriptures to see if the things we were saying are true. I'm going to present something new to people today. I want you to search the scriptures and see if what I'm saying is true. Make sure everything you hear lines up with God's word. I want you to read with me one of the great verses in the Bible, Romans 1, verse 16, that says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel. You ever heard that word before? Gospel? Uh, it's a Greek word, evangelion, and it's translated several different ways through the New Testament. For instance, it was used in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, when an angel said to a group of shepherds, behold, I bring you good news. That's the word evangelion, good news. I bring you good news, which will bring you great joy, and it's for all people. Jesus has come. Well, the Bible said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The word gospel is good news truth about Jesus, the message of Jesus, however you want to put it, gospel means the presentation of Jesus. And he said this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God. It was the gospel is about power. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation for all, anybody who believes. I want to make it, here's the simple truth. The gospel is a gospel of power. The gospel of Jesus is a gospel of power. And uh, all through the Bible, I, I just, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm, I'm sort of stunned myself at this, that we have a gospel in America that is a powerless gospel. We've lost the power of the gospel. But you can clearly see in, in a Rev, excuse me, Romans 1 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is the power of God. It's not the power of Brian. It's not the power of human ability. It's the power of God unto salvation. And so we want to talk today about the power of God and the true gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a gospel of power. Now we have a problem in our land. They had a problem back then. And uh, we won't look this up, but in uh, Galatians chapter one, verses six and seven, he said, I am stunned that you are turning away from the true gospel. There are no other gospels. He said, but there are some who want to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what we have in that, in that day and today is a perverted gospel. Let, let me tell you what I believe from scripture, what I can clearly see. Any gospel that's not a gospel of power is a perverted gospel. The gospel of Jesus is a gospel of power. That's why it's called good news that brings great joy. The power of God can come into your life and change you. That's the good news. You need to straighten up. That, that may be good advice, but that's not good news. The good news of the gospel is there is a power to it. And we've lost the power of the gospel in this generation. In the scriptures, they had two major problems. 
I think we have them today. Back then, and, and like today, they had a problem called legalism. And they struggled with something called legalism. Legalism was simply this. Here's everything you're required to do. Here are all the commandments, but you have to do it in your strength. That's legalism. You're required to do this. Here's all the commandments and you got to keep them, but you have to do it in your power. And it is a gospel that denies the power of the Holy Spirit. That gospel is prevalent in America today. And it was the major struggle of the apostle Paul was preaching against a, a powerless gospel that gave people rules, but it gave them no power to keep the rules. And we see that today. It would come under the heading of a fundamentalist. I don't know if you've ever heard of fundamentalist or not. They're, uh, they're, they're no fun, all damn, and most of them are mental from my experience. That's why they're called fun damn mentalists. And they're, they're people, they, they're just, they're, they're uh, miserable, they're mean, they're mad because they're keeping the rules and, and everybody else should keep the rules and they beat you up with the Bible because you don't keep the rules. This is pictured in the elder brother in Luke chapter 15, who was so mad because I have kept every rule and I have served you and other people are not keeping the rules. Well, that's a fun damn mentalist. And uh, it is a perverted gospel. It is a gospel that says by your own strength, you have to do this. There's another perverted gospel and it also is in the scripture we see it today. And uh, I call it the mild mannered ministry. This ought to get me an email. You go in the average church today and what you have is a mild mannered man standing behind a desk he can be wearing a dress and you have a room full of mild-mannered people and guess what he's talking to them about? How to be more mild-mannered. Friend, you go in the average church and what you see is a lot of people that were pretty good people anyway. They, they, they don't need, I mean, if you don't need the power of God, how can it be the gospel? If you're just supposed to be nice and, and be nice to your neighbor and get a bunch of pretty good people anyway, a bunch of mild-mannered people and tell them to be mild-mannered, you don't need God for that. that. That's a powerless gospel. Even though it's pretty good people, it's still a powerless gospel. What was the gospel of the Bible? How about the people that, that met Jesus? What kind of man do you think Simon was? He was an impetuous, redneck, ignorant, uneducated fisherman who'd whoop out his pocket knife, put a cussing on you, he didn't learn how to be a better person. He was changed by the power of God. Who was Matthew? Who wrote the first book in the New Testament? He was a criminal. He was a dishonest man who was his, the Benedict Arnold of his own people. He was an awful man. But Jesus walked up to him and said, follow me. That man was transformed by a gospel that had power to it. Who was the woman at the well? She was the town whore who became the town pastor. She didn't go to seminary. I'm not knocking seminary, but she didn't go to seminary. You know what happened to her? The power of God came into her life and changed her. It was the gospel of the power of God. What about, uh, about Zach? Y'all know who Zach is? The little sawed off guy that got up in a tree. Zacchaeus was a man who had not one friend in the world. He was greedy, self-centered, hateful. He had a meeting with Jesus and he became the most generous, gracious giver and started caring for people. Was he taught that? That was the power of God released in that little man's life. I'm telling, I could go on through the scriptures. The gospel of Jesus is the power of God unto salvation, unto transformation. It, it, it's not, I'm not knocking education just because I don't have any. I'm not knocking education. It's not about education. It's about transformation by the power of God. That's why the Bible said, I'm not ashamed of this gospel that is the power of God to change people's lives. Where's the power? Where's the power at? 
and we've substituted, as the Bible says, we have perverted the gospel of Jesus. We've perverted this gospel of Jesus with an American version of uh, either just don't worry about it, do the best you can, or try, you've got to grit your teeth. The word try is nowhere in the Bible. You can't find anybody trying to be a Christian. It's not in there. Look it up. Now the word trying is in there, but that's talking about the trying or testing of your faith. You're not called to, if you have to tell, if you have to try to be a Christian, something's wrong. You don't try, you abide. You don't, you don't put out effort, you walk with Jesus. The Christian life of the Bible, the gospel of the Bible is a, a life not lived in your power. It's lived in the power of the gospel unto salvation, which is, which is the truth of it. All righty. We sing an old song that went like this. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought. Wrought means made since Jesus came into my heart. That's the true gospel. In the true gospel, you don't get a list of rules and attempt to keep them. Something comes inside of you and you are cha the change is made in you. You don't make it. What a wonderful, and by the way, it is a wonderful change. You don't put your hair up in a bun, start wearing long black dresses and be mad at everybody. That's not a wonderful change. That's a bad change, by the way. You're in bondage. That's not a good change there. What a wonderful, wonderful change in my life has been made since Jesus came into my heart. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of the gospel that transforms people's lives. Now, there's a problem. We have this, uh, every believer runs into this. Every single one runs into this. We, we have to make a decision and we'll follow Jesus. It's not about joining a church. You can be a church member, bust hell wide open. It's not about being baptized. You can be baptized in the river. Every fish knows you by your first name. Still go to hell. That's not the issue. It is about deciding to put your trust in Jesus. It's about following Jesus. All right, I decided to follow Jesus as a young man. I ran into a problem and every person that's ever tried to follow Jesus runs into the same problem. It is the dilemma of after I decide to follow Jesus, not quite as easy as I thought it'd be. Everybody runs into that. I was in the little town of Souter City this past week and I went by a house and as I looked at that house, I remember 35 years ago, I sat on the front porch of that house with an older lady. She was in her latter 60s. I'm just a young fella. And I sat there and I'd gone to talk to her about the gospel. Her daughter and her grandchildren went to my church and this was a good lady. She helped with her grandchildren. She was not a criminal. She's not a bad lady. She was a good lady. And I sat on that front porch that day and it was the springtime and I talked to her about the gospel. Her name was Martha. I said, Martha, you need to follow Jesus. Why don't you want to follow Jesus? I said, what have you got to give up? I said, by the way, I said, you're at the age where the train's fixing to come into the station. You need to be thinking about this stuff. And uh, she said, well, preacher, she said, I'm not ready. And then she leaned forward. I'll never forget it. She pointed at me. She said, I'll tell you one thing. She said, when old Martha decides to follow Jesus, I'm going to live this Christian life. I'm not going to be like these hypocrites around here. I've heard that many a time. And I heard what she was saying. What she was saying was, if I ever follow Jesus, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to live it. I'm not going to fake it. Well, Martha would have found the same problem I run into and the same problem everybody in this room's run into that I want to follow Jesus, but I got a little roadblock in the way here. Everybody finds that. And that's why we need the power of God unto salvation. I want you to look with me at the discovery in Romans chapter seven. See if you hadn't run into this. Romans chapter seven. But I was a particularly bad person when I met Jesus. I was a criminal and I was just, I was headed for either jail or prison or hell and, and uh, I needed to be changed. 
uh, I, I want to make an announcement. If you follow Jesus, there should be a change. Should be a change in our lives. And it doesn't mean you start wearing a necktie and going to church and acting religious. God knows we've got enough of that going on. I need a little bit. I need a little more Jesus, a little less religion is what we need around here. But here's what we ran into in Romans chapter seven. Now this is a man and this is a picture of those who they're followers of Jesus and they're brethren. But I want you to watch what happens in Romans chapter seven, verse 22. The Bible said this, I delight in the way of God. It says law, but it means way according to the inward man. I'm even agree with that. When I got saved and I began to follow Jesus, in my heart of hearts, I loved God's way. I wanted to love people. I wanted the love of the gospel. I wanted the joy of the gospel. I wanted the peace of the kingdom. I wanted to help people. I wanted to live a different life. I wanted the great glorious life of Jesus. I delight in that in my inner man. Inner man and heart mean the same thing. In my heart of hearts, I just, I thought God's, I think God's way is the greatest way in the world. Love people, be happy, celebrate, don't worry, don't be afraid, praise God, care for people, be an act. I think that's great. But, you ever heard of big buts? This is the biggest but I've ever seen in my lifetime, verse 23. But, and I'm serious, this is the biggest but I've ever run into in my life. But I see another power in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the power of sin, which is in my members. There's the believer's dilemma. In my heart of hearts, I want to love God. I want to love people. I want the joy of Jesus. I want to be good to people. I I want to live this great life. But I find something inside of me that does not want to do that. I find, and it's called the law of sin or the power of sin. And he said, here's what I find. I find that even though I want to follow Jesus, there is a war on the inside of me. I've got the heart of God inside. Listen, if you're born again, you've got a new heart and it delights in the law of God. His law is written on your heart. It's the law of love where you just want to love Jesus and you care about people and you want to, you want to live to serve. But at the same time, I find something inside of me that is anti contrary to the law of God. So I got a tug of war going on on the inside and every believer that's ever walked with Jesus has found this to be true. We've got a problem here. And so you got this contrary back and forth. Let, let's look at the description of it. Look at me in verse 15 of chapter seven. What I am doing, I do not understand. Ask me if as a pastor, I've ever heard that before. Ask me if I have asked people, why did you do that? And they say, I don't know, I don't know. What does it say right here? What I'm doing, I do not understand. What I desire to do, I do not do. What I hate, I do. Been there, done that. Every believer's been there where the, what you want to do, you want to love people and care for people and celebrate and walk in hope and life and love, but you're having trouble doing it. And you don't want to hate your mom-in-law. Of course, mine's perfect. I don't have to. You don't want to hate your mom-in-law. You don't want to get mad in traffic. You don't want to get PO. That means put out. You don't want to get PO'd at PO. You, 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 you find yourself not wanting to do things, but you do them anyway. Right there it is. That's the dilemma. Matter of fact, he goes a little bit further with this thing. Look at me in chapter seven, verse 19, where he says this. The good I desire to do, I do not do. The evil I wish I didn't do, I am practicing. It's the believer's dilemma. I'm gonna say it again. I delight in the law of God. My heart wants to do right. But I see something inside of me that is contrary to the law of God so that I am not doing what I really want and some things I wish I wasn't doing, I find myself doing them. 
Every believer. This is just, this is where the gospel comes in. It's the great battle of this war within. I'm going to read it again. Verse 21. I, I find a law, verse 21. Evil is present with me, the one who desires to do good. Has anybody ever found that? I, here's what I find. Evil is in me. Evil is present with me. I'm going to tell you, it, it's, it's, you can call it your flesh. You can call it your base nature. But just because you get a new heart doesn't mean that thing doesn't go away. It's still there. And there's a, I find evil is present with me, the one who desires to do good. And that's where this great war from within comes from. All right, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We, we got this. I, I really love Jesus. I've got a new heart. I want to follow Jesus in this earth. I want to live this great life of the, the kingdom life, not a religious life, but a kingdom life. But I find that I'm having trouble doing it. You know, I, I, like, old, like old Martha said on that porch that day, if I ever follow Jesus, I'm going to show him how to do it. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Martha never followed him, but I got news from Martha. She would not have shown him how to do it. Like all the rest of us, she'd have struggled just like everybody else that's ever followed Jesus. So what are we going to do? You can do one of three things. Number one, you can lower the bar. You can rewrite the Bible and lower the bar and say, well, nobody's perfect. You know, we just... You know, we're all on the way to glory and God understands. Do like Mr. Darling told Andy Griffith, just let the rear end drag. Yeah, you can just sort of lower the bar and, and we can, you know, but the problem in America is we have lowered the bar so low now. Pagans look down on believers. You know why you can't lower the bar? Because you can't lower the Bible. You can't rewrite the Bible. Okay, option number two, suck it up, grit your teeth and try harder and get it right this time. You didn't get it right last time. What makes you think you do <laughs> In other words, human effort. Human effort. Let me make an announcement. Jesus said this, the flesh profits nothing. You ain't got enough oomph in you to do it. You say, I'm gonna love them if it kills me. Go ahead and shoot yourself. You can't do it. You, you, the things I want to do, I cannot do. Or there's a third option. And this is the power of the gospel. And this is a beautiful part. I want you to look at, let's follow this progression here in Romans chapter seven. Let's go back to verse 22. I delight in the law of God in my inner man. I want to live this life. I want to love people and celebrate, walk in happiness and joy. And I want to be at peace and free from worry and free from fear. And I want to be the light of the world. I want people to see Jesus in me. I delight in that. But verse 22, verse 23, I see another power inside of me. I see a power of sin. Watch verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. A believer who's caught in the power of sin is going to be miserable. A believer who is, whether he's hooked on pornography or, or hatred or bitterness or whatever. If you got that garbage in your life holding you captive to it, you're going to be miserable. Oh, wretched. Wretched means miserable. Miserable man that I am. Let me tell you where we make a mistake. We see the power of sin working in our lives and we say, what can I do? Wrong question. Don't ever ask what you can do. Let's read it. Read it in verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. What's the word? Who? It's not a what, it's a who. Who can deliver me from this, it's called the body of death. It should say power of sin. See, we, we say, well, if, if I just read my Bible more, I could be delivered from this garbage that's in me. No, you wouldn't. If, if, I, just, if I just hang around Christians more, if I, if I just bite my tongue, you're just gonna have a raw tongue. 
There's no what you can do. It's a who. It's a who. Now I want you to watch what happens. Somewhere between verse 24 and 25, something powerful happens in this man's life. This is the average believer. He loves God. He wants to do right, but he finds crap in his life. And he's tried and tried and failed and tried. You know, I had a fellow in my church. He's a wonderful little fellow. He came to me one day. He was, a, he was a rough guy. He got saved, started coming to church here. He said, I got to talk to you about something. I said, what is it, Hot Rod? And he said, uh, I, I just, I struggle with pornography. He said, I, I can't, I, I, I understand from reports that a huge chunk of men struggle with it. And now women are right out there behind them. He said, I, he said I, I hate it, but he said, I keep going back. He said, I want you to help me. I said, what you want me to do? He said, I got this thing I can put on my computer and my phone, it's software. And if I try to go to a pornographic site, it'll ring your telephone. I said, if you think that'll help, put it on there, Bubba. You know, surely it would discourage you if you knew your pastor was getting a call every time you went to a dirty site. What do you reckon? All right. But I said, let me tell you something. That might, accountability might help a little bit. There's a better way. There's a better way. There's nothing you can do. It's a somebody. And this man gets a revelation between verses 24 and 25 that there is somebody that can set you free from the power of sin in this life. That is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. Now, I want you to notice something. He goes from misery to joy between two verses. Verse 24 again. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me? Look at verse 25. Thank God through Jesus our Lord. You know what he gets a revelation of? The same Jesus that died for you on the cross has power to release in your life to set you free from the junk in this life. And of course, his name there is the Holy Spirit of God. Romans chapter five is, is a true salvation. It's where a man has a true experience with God and by faith you're saved. Romans chapter six and seven are believers who are saved, but they're struggling. Romans chapter eight is a picture of the spirit-filled life where we find that the same Jesus that saved us comes in and transforms us. And it, instead of the power of Brian to do better, it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the gospel of power that we've lost in this land and apparently... They lost it at that time too. So the Bible talks about a new gospel and it's a power to live. All right, I want you to look at the options. Let's look at Romans chapter eight, verse one. Every believer gets to live one of two ways. I'm gonna say it again. Every believer gets to live one of two ways. And there's only two ways to live once you decide that you're gonna follow Jesus. And there in Romans chapter eight, verse one. See if you've ever heard this before. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You ever heard that? That is not true. That, that is not true. You can't read half the verse. You've got to have the whole verse to have the truth. That's like a man coming back from the Dodge dealership and telling me, Brother Brian, that guy at the Dodge dealership told me they were going to give me a brand new truck. And I said, he did. Well, that's wonderful. You need to go down there and pick it up. And then you come back depressed. He said, I didn't, he told me I had to make payments on it too. Well, <laughs> you know, the good news is you're going to get one. The bad news is you're going to have to make payments. Let me make an announcement. There is condemnation on believers. Let's read it. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now flesh here, flesh has two different meanings in the Bible. It's the word sarks. Flesh can mean the lower base nature. And the definition of that is Galatians 5, where it says the works of the flesh are hatred, division, strife, adultery, anger, 
murder, drunkenness, drug. That's our lower base nature. But the other use for the word flesh is always human strength. And in this place, it's the word human strength. Let me, let me, say, let me read it to you from the original language. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not live this life in their own strength but they live it by the Spirit of God. Well, if you live this Christian life in your own strength, naturally you're going to live condemned because the flesh profits nothing. You can't do it. There ain't enough human ability in you to be like Jesus. Let me make an announcement. There's only one Christian who's ever walked on this earth. His name was Jesus and he's the only one who can do it. Only Jesus. Listen, we, we've got the first part of the gospel right. Only Jesus can save you. There's nothing I can do to save myself. The cross is my eternal life. There's, we've forgotten the other half of the gospel. Only Jesus can live this life. That's the gospel. That is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can see in Galatians, excuse me, Romans chapter eight, verse one, you can live this life one of two ways. You can do it in your strength or you can do it in the Holy Spirit's strength. And one of two ways. And there's no condemnation if I do it in the Spirit's strength burns me up. Now in this passage right here in Romans 8, God makes two of the greatest promises ever. And these are the two great promises. I want to look at these two great promises because as a believer, I have two problems. Number one is I got to get rid of the evil side of me that wants to booger things up. You know what the word booger things up means? What am I going to do with this evil thing in me, the power of sin in me? I got to get rid of that. That's one of my problems. The other problem is I'm supposed to love like Jesus loves. Try it, Doc. The Bible said this, husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. Mind if I watch? Only Jesus can do that. So I have two problems. I got an ugly nature in me that needs to be taken out of the way. We've lowered the bar of Christianity so low. If you just don't cuss somebody out and take them a pie once in a while, we call you a saint. No. Friend, till you live like Jesus lives, you're not there yet. That's why nobody can do that. Bingo. That's the gospel. Two great promises in this passage. Romans chapter eight, verse two says this. The power, the power says law, but it means power of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the power of sin. I don't, I don't know. You may not be a scholar, a Bible scholar, but any way you cut it, Romans chapter eight, verse two promises this. The Holy Spirit's power will set me free from the power of sin. Sin is powerful. Hatred is powerful. Bitterness is powerful. Lust is powerful. Selfishness is the most powerful thing about sin. There's a power greater than my selfishness. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And I am not supposed to try not to. I'm supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit of God comes into my life, tell me what it does in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. It, will, it, doesn't, it sets me free from the power of sin. That's the great promise of God. It'll set me free from the power of sin. Now, here's our problem we run into. We're trying to be free by the law. You know, we bring people in church, say the 10 commandments. We want y'all to keep the 10 commandments. Here's the 10 commandments. Keep them. That'll never work. The 10 commandments cannot help you. That ought to get me a call. The 10 commandments cannot help you. Now, let, let me say this. The Bible said this. If there was a law given that could have made a perfect society, the 10 commandments are. Could you imagine America if every person in America didn't steal, didn't backstab people, 
didn't sit around wishing they had what everybody else has got, honored their mother and father. Would this not be a great nation? There's nothing wrong with the commandments. The problem's with me. I can't do it. Matter of fact, let's go a little further here. Not only can telling people what to do and giving them commandments and rules, not only can it not help them, it'll make it worse. It will actually make it worse. Let me show this to you. Romans chapter seven, I believe it's verse five. Romans seven, five. When we were in the flesh, when we're living this life in our own strength, the sinful passions which are aroused by the law are at work in us. Tell me what the law does. Does it set you free or does it stir up sinful passions? It aroused. That's why fundamentalists are in trouble. When you tell people all day, you better not do this, you better not do this, you better not do this, all you're doing is just stirring the desire up. Several years back, I'm walking down a hall in the High Point Regional Hospital, minding my manners, free as a bird, having the best time. I look over on the wall and there's a sign, just a little uh, paper-sized sign that said this, wet paint, do not touch. Immediately, I walked over and put my finger on that thing and they were right. If that sign hadn't been there, I'd have never even thought about it. When you lay a rule down, it don't set people free. It causes them to want to break it. So you preach all the time. You can't cuss. You can't smoke. You can't fart. You can't chew. You can't do all this stuff. All you're doing is putting pressure on people and stirring it up. You don't believe this? Take your four-year-old, put the cookie jar in front of him, tell him, I'm going to the laundry room. Don't you touch him cookies. He wasn't thinking about them until you laid the law down. We are trying to live this life in the law in our own strength and it's just making it worse. Right, I'm gonna say this ought to get me another call right here. I asked an older preacher years ago, I was a young man, I said, why is it that all these preachers that are getting caught in hotels with other women and running off with these piano players, why are they all the most fundamental preachers who preach against adultery all the time? Because the law can't set you free. It just, it just makes you wanna sin. That's why Romans chapter eight, verse three says, the law cannot do it. Listen, all the rules in the world can't set you free from sin. Only one thing, the power of the Holy Spirit in my life can set me free from the law. So I'm gonna read verse two again of Romans chapter eight. The power of the spirit of life in Jesus has made me free. Jesus is not about rules and trying. Jesus is about the Holy Spirit and freedom. That, listen, I'll say it again. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation, not the power of Brian under struggling through another day. Where's the gospel of Jesus Christ that sets people free? From, listen, most people I know, they don't want that crap in their lives anyway. I've had people say, I can do anything I want to do. I'm free to do whatever I want to do. You're crazy as a loon, doc. <laughs> Question is, can you quit? And what is so exciting to start with ends up being bondage and you can't quit it. And then you become a slave to your own appetites and you can't turn loose. I've had three or four occasions to sit down and talk at length with prostitutes. And I, I just, I love people like that. And I've asked every one of them the same question. I'll ask these girls that I talk to, do you like sex? Every single one of them said, it makes me want to throw up. That's what the Bible teaches. He who commits sin becomes the slave thereof. They don't need to be beat up and they don't need to be told straighten up. They need the power of the gospel to set them free from the power of sin and the death that's brought into their lives. Do you understand now why it's called 
good news of great joy instead of good advice to help you get by. Quit cussing, quit whatever. That might be good advice, but for somebody that's in bondage, that's not good news. Good news is what you can't do for yourself, Jesus will do for you by his spirit. That's good. That is the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. Right, there's a greater, well, I don't know if it's greater. Here's another promise. There's two promises here. And the other one's in verse four where it says this. So that the righteous requirement of the law, watch these words, might be fulfilled in us. I don't do it. Somebody's going to do it in me. What the law requires will be fulfilled in me, according to the scripture. Now watch it again. Who walk according to the flesh, not in their own strength. When I depend entirely on the spirit of God and I quit trying, God will do something in me. Now, I want you to notice it is not the requirements, plural, of the law. The law has one requirement, one thing. You say, well, what, what, do, you, what do y'all expect Christians to do in your church? Well, we want them to be nice and love people and, and quit being hateful and quit going to dirty movies. And those are the requirements. The law has one requirement, and Jesus will fulfill it in you. Let's turn the page. That's Romans chapter 13. How about, <laughs> I went to visit a fellow named Howard one time. He was just the neatest guy. And uh, I'd been to, somebody sent me to see him. I went to see him and I said, I wanted to get Howard to come to church and receive the gospel. And he said, uh, after a while, he said, he said you, you're a pretty nice guy. He said, but you know, he said, I've tried so many different churches and so many different religions and I just found out I can't do none of it. He said, I don't mean to be rude preacher, but he said, I just can't do this stuff, everybody. And he told me all the things he'd been through and the churches he'd been in. And I said, Howard, how about if we ask you to do just one thing? Come to my church, you do one thing. We only ask for one thing, Howard. How about that? He said, you telling me the truth. And I said, Howard, I don't lie. I said, I just want you to do one thing, Howard. If you can keep one rule, you can come to my church. He came and he told me a year later, you told the truth. Here it is in Romans chapter 13. The Bible says this in Romans 13. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. What if that's the only one thing we ask you to do? What if all we ever ask you to do is just love people? It's, well, what about all the cussing and the smoking and the drinking and the relax, doc? Owe nobody anything except to love one another. Now watch these words. He who loves another has fulfilled the entire law. Love people, you keep every law there is. Bottom line. Here's the reason why. Now here's what a lot of people don't understand. He's going to go in, verse 9, the commandments. Anybody here ever heard of the commandments? I didn't think so. God gave commandments. Uh, there are 10 commandments. Some churches have shortened it down to six, you know, the lighter church and all that. We've got a third less commandments and all that stuff. There are 10 commandments and he lists them. There, there are two, there are two, there's a division in the 10 commandments. Four of the commandments deal with my relationship with God. Six of the commandments deal with my relationship with people. And he lists them. Watch this right here. <clears throat> you shall not commit adultery. Oh, you've done ticked me off right off the bat here. So you want to suck all the fun of my, out of my life. Let me make an announcement. The foundation of a nation is its families. It's not the government, it's the families. Destroy the families in a nation, you destroy the nation. Get the entire nation living like a bunch of junkyard dogs in heat, you will have no nation one day. Thou shalt not commit adultery is not given to suck the fun out of your life. It is so you can have a life, children who respect you and joy throughout the years. This isn't hard, guys. 
Thou shalt not commit murder. Well, thank God I've never done that. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you, if you are angry with your brother without cause, you have committed murder in your heart. Because the spirit of anger is the spirit of murder. And, and he goes on to list all these commandments, yada, yada, and all this stuff. Uh, you shall not bear fault with, shall not covet. If there's any other commandments than they are, they are all summed up in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. Every commandment is given so that we can have a life on this planet and get along. And it all boils down to one thing, love your neighbor. Here's the great promise in verse 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Love fulfills the entire law. There it is. Do the whole deal. You do one thing, you'll keep everything the Bible ever says, and that is to love your neighbor. Now, okay, brother, but I'm going to try to love them. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. You're not supposed to try to love people. What kind of lunatic preacher are you? Let me tell you what kind of preacher I am. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God. If you try to love people, that's self-effort. Here's the great promise of God. The Holy Spirit of God does something in your heart. Romans chapter five, verse five says this, the love of God is put into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This may be the greatest promise of God and it, it's, a, it's an expansion of Ezekiel chapter 36 where the Bible said this, I will put my spirit in you and I will take the hard heart out of you and I will give you a tender heart and I will put my spirit in you and cause you to want to keep my laws. You don't hand somebody a sheet of rules and say, do this or you're in trouble. You let living Jesus come in on the inside and change your heart. It's the easiest thing in all the world to love when Jesus is on the inside. It, it's the easiest thing in all the world to Listen to what the Bible says. I delight to do your will. Your laws are in my heart. To, to, to take somebody who doesn't know the Holy Spirit of God and give them the Ten Commandments or tell them to act like a Christian, you're telling a pig to act like a poodle. It ain't going to happen. Poodles are these snotty little things that sit in parlors with tutus on and pigs just waller in the mud. You say, where'd you get that from? Second Peter. The Bible says this, you can dress people up, but if they don't get the Holy Spirit on the inside, it is like a dog going back to his vomit or a pig going back to wallow in the mud. Now you can take a pig and clean him up, put a tutu on a pig if you want to. A little pert, you know, and all that stuff, put some perfume behind it, just set him in the parlor. You open the door, he's going to the pig pen. What we need is a heart change. Only the Spirit of God on the inside can transform the human heart. The true gospel of Jesus is not straighten up it is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with Jesus on the inside. It's a transformation that comes on the inside. The, the, the gospel is not good advice. Quit, don't steal. Don't stab people in the back. Go to visitation. Go to the women's thing. Well, if you're men, don't go to the women's thing. Whatever. It's not good advice. It's good news. I will change you from the inside out. That's the gospel. When, when a group of people followed Jesus one day and they were confused by religion and what Jesus was saying, and they said to him in John 6, what must we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus turned around and said, believe in him whom he sent. Put your faith in Jesus. So brother, when I put my faith in Jesus to, to, I'm going to heaven when I die. Won't you put your faith in him to live it every day? Won't you put your faith in him to live it every day? Listen to Philippians chapter two, verse 10. As you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. 
Let me tell you how I received Jesus. I didn't tell Jesus, you saved me 50%, I'll save myself 50%. That's, you're lost. You know how I came to Jesus? Let me tell you how I received Jesus as my savior for eternity. I bowed before him and said, I am lost. And if you don't save me, I'm going to hell and I'm trusting you. I put my faith in Jesus to save me. I had nothing to do with it. Why don't I get up and live my life like that every day? Dear Jesus, if you don't come through today, I'm because somebody out by dark. That's the power of the gospel of Christ unto salvation. That's, that's good news is what it is. It's, it's the good news of Jesus. Now, let me, let me show you the, uh, the, the, under the old covenant, you got 10 commandments. Keep them, things go well. Don't keep them, you're in trouble. That's the old covenant. There's a new covenant. Let's look at it. Hebrews chapter eight. God tore up the old contract with man because it didn't work. Nothing wrong with a contract, nothing wrong with God. There was something wrong with us. So he came up with a better covenant. The Bible calls it a better covenant based on better promises. How many believers do I know still trying to live under the old covenant? Still trying to do right so they can be blessed. Here's the new covenant. This is Hebrews chapter eight. You, you need to memorize this first. Hebrews chapter eight, verse 10 says this. Hebrews 8, let me find the right place here. Hebrews 8, verse 10 says this. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. Turn the page to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. This is the covenant. You see that word covenant? Write the word gospel. This is the gospel. This is the covenant I'll make with them after those days. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds, I will write them by, their, by my spirit. You know what he said? I'll change you from the inside out. I'll, I'll work a miracle inside of you. I'll change you. All right, say, for instance, let me, let, me show you how the, let me show you how the true gospel works. For instance, I decide to turn my life over to somebody. I'm going to call him Bubba. So I find Bubba and I think Bubba's pretty smart. Bubba can run my life better than I can. So I say to Bubba, Bubba, I'm going to put you in charge of my life. You're in charge of my life. Whatever you say, I'm going to do it. Have thine own way, Bubba. Have thine own way. And I, I turn Bubba loose in my life. He says, all right, I, I'm, there's some things I don't want you to do anymore, preacher. And there's some things I'm going to have you do. And I say, hey, you're, you're the boss, Bubba. Tell me what to do. Bubba says, look, from now on, you can't go to the ballet anymore. No more going to the ballet. You understand? I'm sorry, but you can't go to the ballet anymore. Thrill me, doc. I didn't want to go watch a bunch of skinny men jump around in underwear anyway. I don't go to no ballet. You, listen, you've done me a favor by not letting me go to ballet. You understand that? Bubba says, and there's something I want you to do. You gotta, if you're going to let me lead, you've got to start going to the rodeo. I want you to go to the rodeo regular. You want me to go watch bull riding and calf roping? I'm all about it. How about tonight? Let's go. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus comes into my heart and I say, Lord, take over. By the way, Lord means take over. Lord, take over. And he said, all right, there's some things I don't want you doing anymore. Quit hating people. That's what's in my heart anyway. I got a new heart. I want you to quit cussing people. Amen. Give me the strength. I'll do it. I, I didn't want to do it anyway. I've got a new heart. He has written his law in my heart. And he said, I want you to quit being depressed and miserable and worried and sad. I want you to start celebrating. I want you to rejoice in me all the time, son. Praise God. Now you just threw the rabbit in the briar patch, doc. I mean, you're doing me a favor. Isn't it? Could you imagine, could you imagine a gospel where I get to do everything I want to do? What do you think it means? I will write my law in their heart. 
Do you see why it's called good news that brings great joy instead of good advice that brings great stress? This is the true gospel of Jesus Christ, changed from the inside out so that I get to do everything I want to do. You say, I don't believe that. You don't believe the Bible. I'm going to go back to our original verse. I delight in the will of God in my heart and my inner man. I delight to do your will and your laws inside of my heart. Jesus just, just takes over. Now, therefore, let me wrap this up. All right. I got, I got, well, I got three gospels. I got three gospels. I got the gospel of the fundamentalists and I'm going to have to try my best. And if it kills me, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to love them stupid people. And, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to do right. And I'll, I'm going to read my Bible every day. And, and if I fall asleep, I'll read it twice as much. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. God bless you, have fun, but move away from me. I, I can't take that stuff no more. That's not the gospel. And then you got the gospel of, well, you know, every, nobody's perfect. Let's all just live like a bunch of idiots. You know, God smiles. Don't rewrite the Bible on me. And then we've got the gospel of Jesus Christ that says, what a wonderful change in my life will be wrought when Jesus' spirit comes into my heart. But I'm making an announcement. No formula will do that. You say, Brother Brown, how about if I read my Bible every night? You can read. Jesus said, you are the people you search the scriptures daily, but you won't come to me to experience spirit life. John chapter six. You, you, can read, you can write books on the Bible and never know Jesus. You can go to church every time the doors are open. The devil does. Be mean as the devil. It, there's no formula. It is a relationship. You got to open your heart to the son of God for salvation and life. He's real. And the Bible said this. Jesus, it didn't say try. It didn't say struggle. It said abide. He who abides in me bears much fruit. Walk with me. The love will be there. Walk with me. The joy will be there. Walk with me. The peace will be Let's look at it. We got time. Turn with me to Galatians. The Methodists aren't out yet. Turn with me to Galatians chapter five. Let me show you the list. Galatians chapter five. In case you're wondering, uh, how do we identify people? You know, say, well, Brother Brown, they go to church all the time. He's got a clerical collar on or, you know what? How does the Bible say we should judge? How does the Bible say we should identify? All right, this is real simple. Now I grow apples. I'm an apple farmer. And uh, let me tell you, I know I got apple trees out there. I was mowing in, the, mowing in the orchard yesterday. Let me tell you, I know they're apple trees. Now stay with me because this is going to be complicated. Stay with me here. I saw the apples hanging on them. They're about as big as that right there right now. But when I saw those apples hanging on that tree, I said to myself, I said, self, that's an apple tree right there. Is this deep or what? I don't care if you got a clerical, clerical collar means a preaching collar. I don't care if you're in church. Being in church is not one of the proofs. God wrote a list. Here it is. Galatians 5 verse 22 says this, the fruit of the spirit. Just pause right there. Can I say it this way? What you're going to see hanging on my life if Jesus' spirit is in my heart. Can I say it that way? The fruit of the spirit is the love of God. Friend, God doesn't love. He is love. And if love moves in my heart, love's going to flow through me. And listen to me. It's the easiest thing in the world to love people. He says hard to love people. No, it's not. It's either easy or it's impossible, but it's not hard. 
and what you're calling hard, it, it's really not the love of God because let me tell you what's going to happen. They're going to do something stupid and that love's going to show up. I'm out there among my apple trees yesterday. You know what I noticed as I was out there walking amongst them and looking? Not one tree was vibrating. Nobody was trying. They weren't going, mm, pop, 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 pop. That's not how it works. They just stand there with their roots deep in the soil and the fruit just grows. The fruit of the Spirit is the love of God, the joy of Jesus. Where did this joyless fundamentalism come from? If you're trying to do something you can't do, you can kiss your joy goodbye. When Jesus told me, you are forgiven, you are saved, you walk with me and I'll live it through you, that is joy unspeakable, full of glory. Peace, patience. I want to see you try to be patient. Guess what's going to happen? He'll set you up. He will set you up to show you, apart from me, you can do nothing. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. What I said I will do, I will do. God will give me strength. Humility, which we are very short on in this nation right now. And what? Self-control. It's actually spirit control. I can't help it. Yes, you can. He can. That's the nine fruit right there. Be looking for that. That's the nine fruit. You say, Brother Brown, that'd be the most beautiful life. If you found somebody that loved like Jesus loved, had the joy of Jesus, they were as peaceful as Jesus was. They were as kind as Jesus was and patient and as humble as Jesus was. That'd be the most beautiful life. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto this life, this salvation right here. And listen, it's not about trying it's, it's not about, you can't learn how to do this. You have to be filled with the Spirit. All right, let me tell you what's happening in our land and we need to get back to it and I'm done with this. Here's, a, here's a, an illustration and a picture. Years ago, we had what's called Millers. Uh, we have one near our house. It goes back to the 1700s called Lindley Mill. And what happened was they were, these were the people that had uh, grist mills and they would build their mills beside a stream or a river and the water would flow and as the water flowed into the side of that mill, it would turn a huge wheel, water wheel. All right, the water wheel had a 45 degree gear that turned a huge stone and two stones rolled together and you'd feed the corn or the wheat into that stone and it would grind your stone, uh, grind your wheat or your corn and then you could go make cornmeal, bread, whatever you want to have. And everybody took their wheat to the miller and he would grind their wheat for them and he got to keep a little bit for grinding it and, and uh, he was able to grind the stuff in the stones, but the power to produce the food didn't come from the miller. It came from the river that flowed in there. Got it? The, the miller could actually produce it, but it was the, the power was from the river that flowed in there. All right, the miller comes to work one morning, his wheel's not turning. It's just stopped. There's nothing there. And uh, so the miller we're in trouble because I got all these people coming. They're bringing their corn and their wheat and I need to grind it and I got to do something. So the miller got to do one, two things. He can either grab hold of that wheel and try to turn it himself. That was a big, I don't know if you ever seen a, a, a miller's wheel, a grindstone. That's a big sucker. And he can grunt and grunt and try. By about lunchtime, he's going to be done killed himself trying to turn that stuff. And he can do it in his own strength or he can go back upstream and find out what it is that is blocking the flow of that river. That's so good. And he goes back up and guess what he finds? 
he finds demons, excuse me, beavers. <laughs> My part of the world, a beaver and a demon are about the same. We treat them both alike down there. He finds that beavers have built a dam and beavers have cut off the flow of the river. He don't need to go back and grab that wheel and try to turn it. He needs to remove the dam, remove the blockage so the river will flow again so that the power of the river can make things happen. Then ones when the power of God stops flowing in your life and the love dries up and the patience dries up and the kindness disappears and the touchiness comes back and the selfishness comes back. You can grit your teeth and try to do it if you want to, but you can be wore out by lunchtime. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. That is the fruit of Brother Brian. It makes for a pretty pathetic banana sandwich. You know what I mean, jelly bean? It's actually it's called falsies. My grandma had false fruit sitting on her table. She had a bowl of fruit sitting on her table. It's plastic. It looked like the real thing from a distance. Bite that sucker and see what happens to you. There, there's, no, there's nothing, no, no value in it. We're not supposed to try to be Christians. When the power is cut off, we need to go find out what is blocking the power in my life. Don't, don't try to do it in your own strength. Just go back. Whatever's blocking the power, get it out of the way so that the river can flow again. Let me tell you where I got that verse. Let me tell you where I got that from. Psalm 46 says this, there is a river whose streams will make glad the city of God. There is a river, the Holy Spirit in the Bible is referred to as a river that flows out of the throne room of God and flows down into the sea of people. And wherever the river flows, life comes and people are healed. This is supposed to be lived in the power of God. The gospel is supposed to have power with it. That's why I love the God. That's why I hate religion and don't fit in so well. Religion is human people trying to live something through self-effort. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And I want to make an announcement. There's not 10 fruit of the Spirit. There's not 11. There's not 14. There is nine. Nine fruit of the Spirit. It's not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, plus attending church, plus wearing a necktie, plus wearing a clerical collar, plus being stuffy like you've been stuffed with a curtain rod vaccinated with pickle juice. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's dead religion. It is the love and joy and peace of Jesus. That's God. And I'm going to say this as a close. One last thing. Only Jesus can be a Christian. Only Jesus can live it. So why don't you quit trying to start dying and invite him say, come in and take over. And I guess you know after this sermon, I guess you know the truth is, I can spot that false fruit from the real thing. I can spot a false in a heartbeat. No, sir, we're after the real thing. That's why it says what a wonderful change. And my life has been made since Jesus came into my heart. Friend, listen, don't become religious on me. Don't try to do better. Open your heart to the Son of God. Tell this mighty King, I want you to come in here and I want you to live in me and through me what I saw you walk out in the Gospels. I want to see who you are in me. And dear ones, if you ever get to the place where the power stops flowing, don't fake it. Find out what stopped it. Get it out of the way so it can flow again. Jesus is wonderful. He was when he walked on this earth and he's still walking on this earth today and you and me. Let's do it. Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you. Oh my goodness, I, all my life I heard a false perverted gospel that you can't drink anymore and you can't smoke anymore and you can't chew and run with wild women that do. All I heard was just human effort. Thank you for the beauty of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. 
that the most wonderful person in the world comes into our lives and transforms us from the inside out. Lord Jesus, sadly, we don't see much of the gospel in our land, but I'm not responsible for what everybody else does. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let the gospel shine in this house. I pray over this church. Make this a house where the true gospel of Jesus Christ shines out. Lord Jesus, you are the most attractive person that ever walked on this earth. People surrounded you. People ran to you. They flocked to you because people are drawn to the beauty of Christ. Let Jesus live in his place so people can get drawn to the beauty of Christ. Lord Jesus, I hate religion, but I love the gospel. And I thank you for the power of God that transforms lives. Make this house a house where the power of the gospel is readily seen. I trust you for that. I want to pray for every one of my friends out there. Lord Jesus, if there's anybody listening to me today that has never just opened their heart to you and said, I am a sinner. I need this Jesus in my heart. I want to lead them in prayer right now. Dear, dear Holy Spirit, just move all across the land, opening people's hearts to say yes to Jesus. There has to come a day. Lord Jesus, you walked up to Simon and you said, do you want to follow me? Follow me. You walked up to Matthew and said, come on, follow me. You walked up to John and James and said, follow me. You approach every person on this earth at some time or another and you say to them, follow me. And then they have to make a decision to follow you or not. I pray for people all over the land today that are going to make that decision. And Lord Jesus, we're going to pray a simple, humble, childlike prayer to you to do that. Friend, if you're out there and you're listening and you want to follow Jesus right there where you're at in your heart of hearts, pray this with me. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross because you love me. But I believe you rose from the grave because you are mighty in power. I believe you love me. And I believe you put me here this morning to hear this. And dear Jesus, on this day, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart. Take over, dear Jesus. I've decided to follow you. I want to follow you from this day forward. Lead me. Love me. Teach me. Walk with me. I'm yours, Jesus. In the precious name of the Son of God, I pray. Amen.